Welcome to Queensway Pentecostal Church, leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope you're blessed and inspired by today's message. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you to Pastor Katie, who's been jumping in and uh, being a part of our worship time the last few weeks. I'm looking forward in the coming weeks and months. Our whole worship team is going to be coming together, a uh, few of them at a time, and we're going to be recording some worship songs by video so that uh, all of us joining in on Sunday morning can take part in worship with our worship team. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be really great. I uh, just want to welcome you to qpcespanola.online.church again this week. Thanks so much for being here. If you've never joined us before, I'm so honored that you've chosen to be with us today. You've chosen to take some time out of your day to be with us on this Sunday, and that's amazing. Today we're going to continue our conversation uh, from last week. Black Lives Matter uh, has been our theme. It's been our conversation, and we're going to continue that with our uh, a church family member, Ray Harris. And Ray and his family are longtime members here at Queensway. And he's a local business owner, a community leader in our region. And I believe that his words carry uh, weight for us today. And I really want you to lean into what he's saying in this time, what God's been putting on his heart. Uh, just as last week, I want to encourage uh, the rest of us who are watching, who are learning with these three words, lament, listen, and lead. That's how I want to encourage us today. Lament, listen, and lead. It's time for people, I'll just say it, people of my skin color, to sit back and just listen for a while. Maybe we just need to listen instead of trying to come up with answers or explain our way out of difficult conversations. Let's just listen once again today. Our scripture theme for the last few weeks and today is continues uh, to come from the book of Micah, it is this, Micah 6, verse, verse 8. So many people love this passage. It's one of my favorites. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. God requires us to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly before God. Before we get into today's message, I want to quickly update our church family on really what I believe is exciting news that we received this week from uh, the government of, of Ontario. This week I posted a video uh, to our YouTube and Facebook and Vimeo and Instagram and anywhere else where you can find us. I posted a video about our reopening process uh, for Queensway here in Espanola. I want you to remember these three specific things. I'm going to put them up on the screen. Three specific things for our church family. Number one, we are staying online and have no plans to stop with our online Sunday services. When The way you see me right now, this is going to continue moving forward. We're not going to stop with this. We're going to keep on going. As stay-at-home orders begin to lift in the coming weeks and months, this won't change. We're still going to be online. Well, Pastor, what happens when we're allowed to do whatever we want, whenever we want, with whoever we want? Doesn't matter. We're still going to be online every single Sunday. We are online. We believe that hundreds of people have connected with our church services from not just around Ontario, but specifically throughout our region in the last three months. And we want that to continue. We want to give people a, a excuse me, we want to give people a greater glimpse into Queensway. 
Yes, if you watch online and then come to church in person, it might feel slightly different. I'll be honest. Maybe you'll sit beside someone in church that smells a little bit. Maybe you'll sit beside someone in church that makes loud noises. That probably, maybe, probably doesn't happen when you're watching in your living room or in your TV room on Sunday mornings or in front of your uh, laptop screen or whatever. But the truth is, is that uh, we want to have the same feel online as we do in person. Things may be slightly different, but in general, we want the same environment, the same feel. The songs will be the same. The message will be the same. And everyone will get opportunities to get involved. It'll all be the same. So whether you come in person or you stay at home, doesn't matter. Your experience is going to be the same whether it's online or in person. So that's the first thing. We're staying online. I want you to remember that. We are staying online, okay? Now, uh, the second part is this. We're coming back with a drive-in church service on uh, Sunday, June 28th, which is two weeks today, in case you're wondering. And that Sunday service is going to be at 4 o'clock. So in the morning of Sunday, June 28th, we're going to gather online. And in the afternoon, we're all going to come together for a drive-in church service at 4 o'clock right out there in our church parking lot, all right? And we're doing this so that the whole QPC family has the opportunity to join us uh, from our cars, but we can all get together. We will have a stage set up in our parking lot with a sound system and an FM transmitter to get the audio from the stage into your vehicle. When you come, you must uh, stay in your car. You got to stay in your car, all right? Keep your windows closed and enjoy our first in-person gathering together with whoever you've got in your vehicle. So you come, you park, you stay in your vehicle, you sing along, you listen to the message, and then we uh, look forward to the next time we can get together. So that's our drive-in church. This way, everyone on Sunday, uh, June 28th, that comes, everyone has the chance to join Everyone has a chance to join us for our first official gathering back at church. That's why we're doing it that way. The third thing I want you to remember is this. On Sunday, July 5th at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., we'll be holding our first in-person gatherings in our church. The first time where we get to come together in this room will be on Sunday, July 5th at 9 and 10.30. These gatherings are for anyone who wishes to come to church in person. Well, pastor, I want to come today. I am totally with you. I want to come today too, but hold on. These are for uh, those of us that want to come together. That's going to start on Sunday, July 5th. We encourage people to wear masks when you come back to church, practice social distancing, and we'll be taking precautions to ensure everyone's safety, including uh, new seating sections in our sanctuary, which is where I am right now. And of course, uh, we're going to be at a limited capacity at both our 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. services. We're allowed to open, but only up to 30%. So we're going to uh, be allowing a certain capacity of people to come into those services. That's why we're having two services, is so we can fit as many people that want to join our in-person gatherings as possible. You see, uh, let me be straight with all of you that are watching this uh, this morning. We don't have all the answers. I can tell you right now. I don't have all the answers for what all this is going to look like. At this point, we probably won't be having children's ministry to start. So that means all of our services every Sunday moving forward from July 5th on will be family services with our kids and the parents and the grandparents and the aunties and the uncles, everyone, all right? At this point, we're not going to have the kids' ministry rolling. All our gatherings uh, will be family gatherings and will last around 45 minutes. I want you to remember that. Our services 
Uh, when we start up, we're going to last around 45 minutes just so that the kids don't go crazy and the parents don't go crazy with the kids. And for those of you that find church too long, you got your wish. We just had to go through a pandemic to get there. Anyways, there you go. Uh, you will be asked to come in our main entrance, which everyone normally would uh, when you arrive. And we're going to be leaving through an alternate entrance, which is actually the doors behind me right now. And so when we come in, we'll come in through our main entrance. Then we'll leave through uh, our fire exit entrances in the back of our sanctuary. You see, we'll need some uh, volunteers to help direct traffic and make sure everyone has a great experience returning to church. So if you're interested in volunteering right away, we're going to put out some ways for you to let us know, some sign-up sheets and stuff like that so that you can sign up to be a volunteer. We must keep our spirits. This is, I really want to uh, speak this into our church today. We must keep our spirits and be willing to make some concessions and extra effort to make this all work. We gotta keep our spirits up. We gotta stay positive in this time. It's so easy to get discouraged. We're not gonna get discouraged. We're gonna stay positive. I wanted to be in church today. I want you to know that I wanted to be here. When I found out earlier, uh, I guess last week now, that we would be able to gather, I wanted to be in church, but we want to make sure that when we come back to church, we come back in the right way. And it became clear that we couldn't do so. We couldn't come back in the right way for this week while still offering a safe environment for everyone. If we had all gathered today, it wouldn't have been safe. I can guarantee that. It wouldn't have been safe, at least to the level that we expect moving forward. Each Sunday, we will update you on what's coming up and everything you need to know. So stay tuned. I'll update our church by email, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, in our Sunday service gatherings, we'll update. You've already heard from Pastor Katie today, updating about driving church. So there's lots happening, lots coming up. Just remember, church online is uh, going to keep going and is here to stay. Secondly, drive-in church services will be uh, Sunday, June 28th at 4 p.m. And number three, in-person gatherings resume Sunday, July 5th at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. Stay tuned for more details. Let's pray for our nation right now, today, right in this moment, and look forward to uh, my discussion with Ray Harris. Let's pray today. So God, we pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would come down and would fill our hearts in this moment, would fill us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. We pray for those who have been oppressed and have not had their rights heard. We pray for the black people in our community, in our province, in our country that are rising up to say enough is enough. And we, we partner with them. We believe that black lives matter in these days and we want to do our part to bring awareness to what is happening in the lives of those in our community in our province in our country and around our world so god would you shine a light on this evil in in an even greater way in these days god that you'd fill our hearts with unrest and is a desire to do justice uh, to love and to walk humbly before God. So Father, would you do these things in this time? We also pray for churches that are reopening. Some have started today, some will start next week, and some will start in the weeks to follow, just like us. And I pray right now, oh God, that you would minister and you'd strengthen pastors and leaders across our province, that God, you would give them wisdom and foresight. And God, when there's lots of unknowns, Lord, I pray that we would 
seek the wisdom of God to see your will accomplished in this time. God, this is not the time for churches to go back to the way we were or to go back into that little private nook in our town or region, our city. No, we are to rise up and be a light in darkness. We are a city on a hill not to be hidden. So God, I pray in these days that we would rise up, we'd stand up, and we would lead your people with wisdom and honor and grace. And God, would you be with, again, pastors and leaders. We pray for our own pastors. I pray for myself that you'd help me, Lord. We pray for our board today that you'd help them as well. Give us wisdom in these days, we pray. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Let's hear from Ray right now. Hearing all that stuff about your experiences with the police, uh, yourself, friends, etc., over the years on both sides of the border, so to speak, um, you know, I can't help but think in these days, um, what, what does all this mean for us in Espanola on the North Shore here? Like, you know, uh, sometimes things that happen in cities are different than things that don't happen in cities. Um, and but that doesn't mean that these racism issues don't exist uh, in our own town and our own community or communities like ours. And so what I was just wondering and if you could kind of speak into is just uh, how um, these issues affect us. And it doesn't have to be your own story, but just how they affect us in our communities like Espanola. And or or do they not? Like I, I obviously I want to hear what you have to say. I'm not so concerned about what my own thoughts are on that. Um, just this past week, we saw some. Uh, I guess I don't want to say protests, but just signs of support in Espanola with uh, young people gathering and um, supporting uh, uh, the black folks in our community. Um, so how does that look in Espanola? How does it look in North Shore? What are those things like for? for us in these in these parts well moving from the city you know as, as a father of, of uh, many kids and I wanted somewhere wholesome realizing where I came from you know people always talk about you know where you came come from reflects who you are kind of thing where I came from a small knit community as many in the Caribbean I wanted somewhere like that to raise my kids because I saw the city getting out of hand you know um, the opportunities that kind of thing you know, the socioeconomical opportunities for kids growing up, especially, you know, African-Canadian kids, right. you know, in the city, you know, you're there and you, the ones you want to eliminate, emulate after are obviously athletes, right? But there's the other side of the spectrum that there's, you know, people doing bad things out there, you know what I mean? The, the people with illicit substances and so forth. And, you know, these kids, well, figure, well, the only way to do, you know, I can't come out of here being this or that. This looks all right. And, they, you know, then they get involved with the other side of the law. And, you know, so I wanted to raise my kids in, in a wholesome place. And, you know, um, I kind of knew Espanola before in my travels passing through. I would set up at, at the, one of the local fairs in Massey here. Um, and I knew the area and I knew the demographics what needed to be here. And they were always welcoming when I came. So I, uh, I came and I set up the business here. And, you know, I said, figured if anything, it would affect positive change. Through my experiences in, in, in Ontario and in parts of Canada, the people in the smaller knit communities have no recourse but to rely on one another. Right? And the image of what they are shown 
through their own eyes are what they're going to believe, right? Um, you know, the, the old adage of, uh, you know, one of the things is uh, you, you're growing up in a city, um, not meaning to jump back and forth, but growing up young, you would see an older white lady passing or heading towards you on the sidewalk first, and she sees someone of color like myself, first thing she does is grip her purse tighter. Or she would actually cross the road. Um, so I'd always wanted, you know, how can we affect change? One of the things is that show people that whatever learned behavior that they that they found to be or they thought was to be the status quo isn't that. They're not they are hardworking people like myself, you know, would come to them, okay, that there's this young African-Canadian person and you know, I don't care what people say, this gentleman owns a business, this gentleman is a provider in the society kind of thing. Um, one of the first experiences I had, it, there was a, f- a few minor uh, things. I remember one of the first experiences I had um, when we came to town, uh, we had just finished a Massey Fair and I was coming home and we came up the highway, crossed the bridge and we noticed a police officer, at the time it was Espanol police, going the opposite direction as we were going. And it was myself and another business associate had our own vans, these uh, big cargo GMC vans. He saw, the windows are down, and he saw our faces and just turned turn right around and followed us all the way up Center Street. When we first moved to Expanola, there wasn't a lot of rentals here. It was a very, very tough situation. We looked everywhere. So, uh, and experimental, we uh, were staying, I believe, at the uh, Marshall Motor Inn, it was called, or whatever. That's where we, we found a place to rent for the, for the interim. And so... He followed us all the way down, no lights, no nothing, nothing to pull over. We turned into the marshals, um, motor in the, the, the motel, and we were tired because we just finished working and setting up and tearing down on Sunday afternoon. It was probably maybe 11 o'clock, and we just wanted to go to bed because we were up early. And so pulled into the driveway, out of the car or vans and started you know taking her personal effects and and so the officer turned into the driveway pulled in behind the van that was my uh, my business associate and um, what are you guys doing here and so he himself he's been through a lot just like myself in the city and you know it's like okay well you know we're tired we don't want to go like what do you mean what are we doing here what are you doing here <laughs> right and he goes well that's not really the question I'm the one asking the questions he goes that's okay I can ask you what are you doing here because you're asking me and you know my friend said well this is private property so I know why I'm here why are you here <laughs> right. so it was back and forth then he, you know it was a few Things they were asking back and forth in this, in this sort of strong uh, hold between the two of them. And then he asked, okay, can I have a driver's license? But he goes, but I'm not driving an automobile. I've been in my room. I came out. I'm not driving anything. I was driving when I saw you follow me all the way from the bridge. But obviously I didn't do anything wrong. You didn't turn the lights on. You didn't pull in right when I pulled in. You waited a couple minutes till I got in here. So I'm not driving an automobile. Why should I give you anything? And so four other police officers came, and, and it was back and forth, and one was talking to me, and, you know, 
we got to talk and was like, listen, we're just very tired. We just come and he said, you got to understand you. So, you know, the only reason he pulled us over, I don't know where he's come, but he just saw two black guys in two dark vans driving down the street. That is not probable cause. If you smelt marijuana or something out the window or you heard somebody screaming, that's probable, that isn't probable cause. And we're already in, in our rooms. You see, he was witnessing us going in and out. So obviously we have a key to get in there. We're not breaking into the place. Right. So um, it was back and forth and the sergeant came and it was back and forth. It was a while out there. And, you know, it's funny. The end result is that he ended up leaving the officer and the rest of them. But that officer and the one that was talking to me, we're the best of friends today. Um, the one that was speaking to me, um, he's actually, he's been in the church here. He's actually one of my kids, Godfather and his wife, because she's, um, she's from Picking. She's an Afro-Canadian girl as well. And the other one, uh, Jason, he's, um, you know, I know him very well. He's, like I said, he, he later came and we've gotten sports stuff. He played for me in basketball and stuff. Like I said, we go hunting and stuff together. We've gone fishing. So it, it just, you know, you know, later on and reflect, talking to him, the problem is, is that these guys uh, came come out of their their, uh, their 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 college, their school, and they're they're taught certain things. And one of the things, uh, and unfortunately, it's a learned thing, is that when you see an African Canadian person, you're to assume the worst. That's the learned trait that these guys pick up, and not just from speaking. I know a lot of it. Funny enough, you say because. I was going to become a police officer. Uh, I don't know if you know, but the stages are is when you go in, you go and you do a physical test along with a, a written test. From there, after they come and do a secondary interview with you, there are five stages. The very fifth and final stage is in front of the, um, a psychiatrist with the governing board. It's a two-part test with all the higher-ranking officers. So I had gone... All the way, but because I wanted to affect change. Also, there wasn't a lot of faces in the policing department. Right. Um, there was an, actually a big issue with the policing test, where racial bias was. They they found I was one of the first. Okay. With there, it was at uh, in Toronto at Seabury College. What happened is there was a reporter from City TV News named Jojo Tinto, an older gentleman. The year when I wrote the test, the very first year, there was four of us of African-Canadian uh, culture there. All four of us passed it. But they were doing an investigation, I didn't know, into it. And they found the testing to be racially biased. It was on City TV News years ago. We're talking probably in the late 80s to early 90s. And so we were recalled to do the test. And they changed the format of the testing because of Mr. Chinto's outspokenness. And I passed the test along with one of the other guys. Okay. Right. Um, so, but one of the things, knowing, like I said, one of the, their, their mandates, I have a lot of friends with these two, like I said, that I know in town that are police officers now with the OPP. Um, that's one of the things they, you know, I don't know why... It, I want to think that it isn't something that they learned in college. 
But when you come out now, you are assigned a senior officer. Well, bad habits are learned, right? So if he came up the ranks being taught that if you see a black person, go and assume the worst, well, this is, you're going to come in, you're learning that error. And that's one of the biggest things, and it's the same in the United States that they're finding, is that that's one of the major things of what's going on. And that's where they change it. You know, so, like I said, that was one of the things that, you know, going back to the hotel issue with the gentleman, and that's where one of the things I, you know, and it wasn't like that. Because later, speaking to him, it wasn't him. Uh, I could say he probably he doesn't have a racial bone in his body, both of them, but obviously one with the, he's got an African-Canadian wife. Right. And, you know, it was there that I realized it's an ignorance that was learned through their profession. And it shouldn't be that way. That bias should not be that way. That's right. Yeah. You know, and it, belie- it, it comes with policing. You know, so in Espanola... You know, now on the business side, you know, I'm there, I see a lot of faces and stuff like that. I'd notice the odd times, you know, certain people come in and, you know, you're vocal, as in any retail, retail environment, you speak to people. And I'd be, it'd be a man and a woman, sometimes a man, and they're not very welcoming, and the questions are short, and, you know, this and the other thing. As, you know, and now on the other side of it, being, a person subjected to such racism and all the times, you're like, okay, well, okay, this guy doesn't like black people. <laughs> you know where this concern. But the thing is, it's where they they stand and you know, some of them come in and they have their wives with them and they refuse to come in the store. The wives in the store and she they the wives call them, come in, I need this, I don't want to come in there. Maybe they're having a bad day. I'm not going to chalk it up to, you know, whatever. It could be a a lot of things. But the positive side in Espanola, on a greater part, and again, I believe it comes with being a smaller community, is the outpouring amount of love that people have. Because people have come to know me in this this society. I've been a soccer coach, basketball coach, involved in programs. I want a business that people know me. So these are positive things that are, that, you know, and that's the positive change that I want to, you know, that that's, I can instill in people to see that, okay, well, no matter what they're seeing across the border, when they go across the border and they see someone being ill-treated, they can stand up right. and say, hey, 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 not because that person's black. And they can say, you know, well, how do you, listen, I know black people, they're hardworking, they're contributing in society, they teach, they, you know, these are the positivities that, that's going to be a positive change to this, this whole race, racism thing. Like I said, Canada is far, far advanced in this, you know, where, where the United States is concerned. Far, far advanced. You know, people are, are now like a Spanola, small knit community like this, where, you know, you have your church family, everybody, you see each other, you have great friends, you know, people embrace you right. when you come into the community here. You know, I have friends I've taken up hobbies, I'm hunter, I'm a hunter, I'm a fisherman, and I have friends who say, hey, you like to fish? I've got a bunch of guys that we go fishing all the time, come out with us, right, right. you know, and, you know, there I am and stuck in the middle of nowhere, with these guys, and I'm there with five or six or seven. Now it's grown to about 15, 18 white guys. Yeah. 
but guess what? They look out for me as if it were my own looking out for me. And they are my own because we're brothers, so we share the same blood, we're the same children of God. Right? That's what I mean as it their own. You know, that's what they see. A person, they see a friend, you know, where you know, I can call upon people in, in, in time of need or help, and they'll be there. And that's the beauty of that small, and that's what this thing needs. It needs to have more small-knit communities, like people in Espanola, coming out and going out in support of what's going on, and like we're going and having the protests like they did in Espanola. You know, one of the, um, one of the ministers, outspoken minister, uh, you know, for racial advocacy in the United States, and he said it, and, you know, I, I see a couple of them. I don't agree with everyone. He was the one I agree with, because he says, you know what? It isn't enough that we as black people go out and effect change but protest. But when change will be affected is when white people start to go out and protest for us. And that's where the change will affect you can see because people are going to look around and say, okay, well, hey, look, it's not right. Yeah, yeah. There's strength in numbers where a white person said, it's not right. You know, there's got to be a fact chain, and, and it, it, it goes a long, long ways. You know, I have a family of nephews and cousins that are young men in the United States, and I worry over them. You know, when I drive to go visit my parents and my family member in the United States, you know, anytime I see a police officer, I'm terrified. And you shouldn't be that way. Right, right. Police are there to support the people. Yeah, yeah. That's how it should be. You shouldn't have to be fearful of police yeah. because of your color. Right. You shouldn't be fearful of police at all. They should be there to help. To be, you know, that, hey, that I, you're called and they're there to help. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be that way. But in Espanola, like I said, it's, you know, it's good. That, that, that tight-knit community, right. you know, like your church family. I have friends outside that don't come to church and I can, that I can talk to minister. You know, they know me and I know them. You know, their kids and my kids. You know, you, you live in the same community. You share the same beliefs. It's a struggle for life, all under one umbrella. Right. Well, thanks so much, Ray, for sharing with us today. I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your willingness to come and speak to our, our church family. I'm uh, hopeful that not just our church family will view this, but others in our community. Um, just to hear your words, I think they're very important. You are a community leader in our community with your business, as you've mentioned, as well as your the sports programs you've been involved with and run yourself. And uh, I just think that your words carry weight. So I'm just so grateful that you came uh, to share with us today. And, uh, you know, I, I like what you said. Like, let's let's believe that when uh, white people are standing up for their black brothers and sisters, that that's the change. That makes a difference. And we believe it will. And, uh, you know, we're all part of this, even us in Espanola, we're all part of this. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what is so important to talk about this. So thanks so much. I appreciate it. Uh, pray God blesses you and your family. Thank you. Pastor. Thanks so much, uh, Queensway, uh, for your interest and desire to learn the last three weeks. As we've continued on this theme, Black Lives Matter, I wanted to have a conversation 
with someone that we all know that has a story to tell. And there's so many other stories. We've heard other stories in the past week from our members in our congregation about their own experiences. And we want to lean into this situation and be uh, give leadership and be light in darkness, just like we prayed for earlier. You see, we must all do our part to stand for injustices in our town, in our region, in our province, in our country, and even throughout the world. We must rise up. That's a Christian responsibility. If you call yourself a Christian today, that means you uh, are going to rise up against injustice whenever you come across it. We must stand up for injustice. Always remember, remember that. Remember what the Lord has required of you and me in this time and in all times. It says this, Micah 6 verse, uh, 6 verse 8, to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. That is our calling in these times. And that's my prayer that that would resonate deep within our hearts in these days. Remember, Queensway, it's time to relaunch. It's time for a rebirth in these days. Uh, Drive-In Church is going to be Sunday, June 28th at 4 p.m. I want everyone to come. Fill your car with your family. Bring them on out. We're going to have a great time celebrating our comeback together. In-person gatherings resume Sunday, July 5th at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. Online is here to stay. Keep tuning in every week at qpcspanola.online.church and we will uh, be here ready to go with the Sunday gathering each week at 9 and 10.30 a.m. God bless. Have a great day. See you next Sunday. And as uh, we uh, see you next Sunday, it's going to be Father's Day. We're going to hear from our dads. It's going to be a great day. Come celebrate Father's Day together with us next week. Don't miss it, church. I'm super excited. We're going to be together physically in just a few days. It's going to be amazing. Stay tuned for more details. Have a great day. God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information on who we are, visit our website at qpcespanola.com.